Bible, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So 2 Corinthians, or as number 46 said, 2 Corinthians. Go to, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. <laughs> oh, man. One man's obedience brings life to many. And on the other hand, one man's disobedience brings death. We, as Christians, do not know how far-reaching one act of obedience to God will be or what it will bring, what the consequences will bring of our choices um, with others. And we, we have an act of obedience that when God lays on our heart to be obedient and do what he's called us to do. And we also have that pride that pops up into us every once in a while where we don't want to obey. And every, we've, got, we've got opportunity after opportunity to obey. And one man's obedience can bring life to many. And one man, on the other hand's disobedience can bring death. And so we've got to simply um, begin to gauge and understand and see the, the ramifications of our actions. And so I, I want to talk about um, one degree of glory and, and from one degree of glory to another and being obedient. Every, every human being that I know, especially every man that I know, hates being hindered or stalled from a destination. I mean, anybody, when you're on a vacation, how many guys, if you're going on vacation, you've got a, you've got a plan where you want to go, where you want to be, when you want to be there. My dad had, my dad was very, um, he was very determined in getting certain places. Um, we didn't make bathroom stops. He just had a two liter bottle. <laughs> I'll, I'll just, we'll just leave it at that. Look, we didn't, we, I mean, when we're going somewhere, we're getting there. Dad said, we are got a time because dad wanted to be where he wanted to get to. And so guys that I know, we hate being hindered on the way to a destination. Um, <laughs> it's funny. When you guys, anybody ever go out to eat, you go eat dinner. Um, one of the things that's funny is dad used to, used to be the runner when I was a kid. When I was a teenager, my brother and I were the runners. So we'd run in to see if there was any weight at a restaurant. So you'd run in and be like, hey, run in and go see what the weight is. Run in and be like, it's a 20-minute wait. No, we're not going to wait that long. Let's go to the next one. Drive to the next restaurant. Ah, it's a 15-minute wait. Ah, maybe. Ah. And by the, time, by the time we got figured out where we're going to eat, if we had just stayed at the first one, it would have been fine. You know what I mean? It would have been fine if we'd just taken the 20 minutes. But by golly, we don't like to wait. We do not like to wait for anything. Um, inevitably, if, you, if I go to Walmart and I'm standing in line to pay for my stuff, inevitably, like Walmart's been having this weird animal thing happen where the cash registers, their, their system will go down. And it always happens when I'm standing in line with a cart full of, of stuff. The line, the, the corporate goes down in Arkansas and everything, the satellite beam no longer beams to my Walmart. And I'm standing in line. I said, this is because I'm here. It used to be when I was, it was price check. 
You guys remember price checks? You'd be standing in line. Oh, we did a price check on... Oh. And it was... The cashier's waiting. I'm waiting. We're tapping our fingers. Nobody likes to be hindered on a des- from a destination. And if we are slowed down or stopped from getting to any type of location, typically we have some sort of frustration that breaks out into us. And it's just, if we just get, we get amped up. Well, God's got a destination for every single one of us in this room. And, and it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. I want us to see this. And we all, now listen, this is 3.18, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, all of us who have or all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is a spirit, makes us more and more like him as we're changed into this glorious image of Christ. And what the destination of every man, or what is the destination of every man, every boy, every girl, if they're in Christ, what's the destination for every man? It's for us to look like something. Or rather, us to look like someone. And who is that that we're to look like? Christ. It's Jesus Christ that you and I are to look like. That's who we're to, to, to be transformed into the image too. It says, all of us with these unveiled faces, we've had a, the, the veil has been removed. And we're beholding the glory of the Lord. We're being transform, or transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So here we are, like we are in this moment like we are presently, but God is progressively transforming us into the image of his son. That's what we were to look like. And the thing that happens a lot of the times is that we have certain things that block us from the path of getting from, say, boyhood to manhood. Or from girlhood to womanhood. We've got these things that block us from becoming more like Christ. And that's our sin. Our sin is what blocks us from having that transformative reveal. Having us being transformed from one degree of glory to another. So what is it that causes, what, what are some of the things that cause us to be blocked from our destination? Can, you, can we think of anything? I've got a couple things here. Pride can block us. Anybody in the room ever had pride issues? I've never had pride. I'm not prideful at all. Never. Unhealthy or un, unbiblical anger. Unhealthy relationships. Lust. Um, self-desires. Desires to, that, that we, we, uh, we want to satisfy the flesh. Like, here's the thing. I think a lot of us have made agreements with the enemy about ourselves, and we believe those agreements. We, we set up in our minds and we say, this is, I'm just, I'm a redhead, so I'm angry. I'm just an, I'm just an angry redhead. You guys heard that one? I'm just, well, 
I've just got a little bit of lust in my heart. That's just who I am. Um, had a friend who's got a sister in Florida. And the pastor in Florida told this sister, because she's struggling with some stuff in her life. And the pastor just said, well, that's just your pet sin. Everyone's got one. We just, you just need to understand that that's yours and you just need to deal. It'll be okay. And rather than telling her, listen, wait, make war on that sin, wage war against your sinful nature. That pastor says, well, that's just your pet sin. Everybody's got one. You just need to be okay with it. I will never say that as your pastor. If you come to me and say, listen, I've got this, this issue in my life. I'm never going to say, well, that's your sin. Just, you know, make peace with it. Never make peace with sin because it's going to block you from the relationship and the transformative um, power that God's got in your life. Sin will block you from that actual relationship. Um, we just, but making agreements about who we are that isn't grounded in the word of God. We said, well, that's just, you know, I'm just this way. Well, what does God say about you? God said you're a new creation. You're the old has passed away and the new has come. Amen. Like that's, that's what we've been called to is, is this. And every one of us here in, in this room has had something that's blocked us. And I totally, I totally understand, understand that when there's sin in our lives, sometimes it can frustrate us. Look at Romans chapter 7. Listen, I, I, I talked about this briefly in Sunday school this morning. But Romans chapter 7 verse 15, listen to this. This is Paul speaking. Remember what I said in Sunday school? What did Paul say that he was? He was the chief of sinners. He understood where he came from. So he called himself the, the, the most, the chief, the top of sin. But yet he still, even though he, the kind of interaction with God that he had, he still struggled with sin. Anybody in the room still struggle with sin? <laughs> yeah. Listen to what Paul said. For I do not understand my own actions. Anybody in here ever feel that same way? You're, you're in good company if you don't understand because Paul the guy who wrote a bulk of the Bible says, I do not understand my own actions for I do not want to do. I'm sorry, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I what? Hate. I do the anybody in here. You do the very thing you hate. and You're like, oh, no, no, that's not what I wanted to do. I don't understand my own actions. And then he, he ends up at the end of Romans 7, and he says, verse 24, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Oh, wretched man that I am. Paul understood this so incredibly well. He struggled with his own sin, just like you and I struggle, and it blocked him sometimes from getting to where I need to be. So this is why he, he looked and continued in verse 25. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but my flesh, I serve the law of sin. So he says, it's God that's going to have to get me out of this. I can't do this on my own. You and I cannot get to this 
one degree of glory. We can't muster up and say, okay, I'm going to try to get there. I'm going to try to get to the next degree of glory. But I can't do it. But if Christ comes and Christ is the one that exalts me, then guess what? From one degree of glory to another. For this comes from who? The Lord, who is the Spirit. So, our goal, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the goal is to become like Christ. And one thing, and we were one thing, I'm sorry, there's one thing that, that, that is different in this, all of this. The one thing that's different is that Christ has to be the foundational point in our life. Kenny Luck says that your goal is to become like Christ. That is the entire goal of your life. His goal is the inward transformation of your character. That's his goal because he knows when you have the right character, your conduct takes care of itself. Now listen to that. Christ, like that's the goal is to become like Christ. And when his character is the foundational place you stand, his goal, his, this, that's his goal because he knows that when you have the right character, the, the character of Christ in you, your conduct will take care of itself. So often what happens in the church world is people think, I've got to get my behavior right. I've got to figure out my own internal clock and I've got to get my behavior right first and then I'll present myself to Christ. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel says, come to Christ as you are, flawed, sinful, depraved, and messed up. And Christ cleans you up and turns you into a new creation and you get the character of Christ in you. And as a result of the character of Christ taking over your heart, your conduct takes care of itself. A lot of people in the church have it backwards. We're trying to figure out the conduct first. Let me, let me get my conduct figured out. Let me get that map out. Let me lay that across the table. Let me get that figured out first. And then, I, then I'll be set. No. Get your heart right with Christ. And then your conduct will take care of itself. He continues, it says, when you have good stuff on the inside, Christ informing your perspective on thinking and being and how you value things, informing your beliefs and your convictions, you have the right center on the inside and, your and on your character and your conduct takes care of itself. That's, that's, that's a good word. Like God takes care of the heart. Because look at everything that was in the Bible, Jesus did every, everything was pushed back towards the heart. He said, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. Well, wait a minute. I didn't physically do it. Yeah, but you're, in your heart you did. If you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. So Christ pushes everything to the inside and says, okay, it, it's from your heart and from your mind where things begin to formulate. That's where sin comes from. It's from the heart and from the mind. That's where you think this stuff up. This reason in Romans chapter 12, it says, I'm going to renew my mind daily. Renewing your mind daily. 
Go to Matthew chapter 12. Look at Matthew chapter 12. Get your fingers warmed up. We've got a couple of places to go. Matthew chapter 12. And I'm going there just like you are. So Matthew chapter 12, verse 35. Listen to this. The good person out of his... I'm sorry. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Now... If Jesus is the foundational treasure of your heart, what will flow from your heart is righteousness. If Christ is the king of your heart, what will flow out of your heart is righteousness. If he is not the king of your heart and you are the king of your heart and you have your interest there, what's going to happen? The good person. The only reason anyone can say they have any good in them is because Christ reigns on the throne of their heart. So therefore, if you want to put above the good person, just say the saved person out of his saved or uh, the, the, the saved person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And out of the lost person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. So if you're, if you're the one that's sitting on the throne and that's not Christ who is reigning supreme in your life, then you're going to bring forth evil. If Jesus is the foundational treasure of your heart, what's going to flow from your heart is the righteousness of Christ. Amen? So in order for us to be more like Christ, what has to take place? Well, I think often... Daily, what's going to have to take place is confession, where we open our mouths and confess constantly. Like I told this morning in Sunday school, what Christ did is Christ is even in this moment saving us. It wasn't a, okay, you're saved. Yes, it was. But every moment that you're awake, every day that you're alive, Christ is. His salific work is constantly at work in your life. Jesus is constantly saving you. Jesus is constantly working in your heart and in your life. And he's transforming your life every single day. And he's saving you every single day. So there's confession that's needed. An open confession. That number one, that Jesus Christ is God. And number two, that you want him to be the boss of your life. That he's, the, that he's the ruler of your heart. That he's the ruler of your life. What's it going to take? It's going to take breaking agreements that you have made about your sin and about yourself. Breaking agreements that you have made about your sin. Oh, it's not that bad. The things that I do aren't, I mean, I'm not killing anyone. I'm not as sinful as Chuck down the street. I've I've done that. Break agreements that have been made about your sin and about yourself and confess that as sin and ask Jesus to take back the ground that you've forfeited or you've handed over to Satan. That's That's a prayer that I pray often with my children. In the evenings when I get together with my kids and I pray with my family, that's one of the prayers um, that I pray out loud is, God, man, today I forfeited some ground. Anybody ever forfeit ground during the day? I have forfeited ground today, Father. God, I, 
I know that it's your ground. You can take it back because you have the authority to take it back. So, Father, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you'd take back the ground that I forfeited to Satan. Ask that you'd take back that ground that I have given to, to, to the enemy by foolish and sinful acts. I ask that you take it back. And he will. So that, that takes repentance. We have to get rid of ourselves, empty ourselves of ourselves. Here's the thing. God will not fill up what's already full of itself. You've got to be emptied of yourself before you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. It just, you're, you're full of your sin and your pride and your arrogance. God is not going to be in a, in a, in a heart that's filled with sin. He's going to come in and he's going to eradicate the sin that's in your heart. So we have to repent. We have to get rid of ourselves. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says that we are to be an imitator of Christ. Be, a, A.K.A. be Christ-like. We must give up ourselves. We must lay our hearts and our lives on the altar to God. Because, man, that's what Christ wants. Like Christ is not interested in my bank account. Jesus is not. Well, I'll just write a check to Jesus. He owns it all. What part of the universe does God not own? He owns it all. Well, I'll write him a check. Okay. What he wants is your heart. That's what he really wants. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says that God's destination for us is to be transformed and not conformed to the image of this world. And as a, as a result, we can, um, we can determine or discern what the will of God is for our lives. And what, the, what is the will of God for us? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 tells us um, what that is. Go to 2 Peter. Let's go over and read that real quick. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he's patient towards us and is not willing, does not wish that any would perish, but that all would reach repentance. So what's his desire for you? To repent. His desire is for you to repent. First John 1 John 1.9 tells us if we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And then once we do that, then we walk in him. Galatians chapter 5, verses uh, 16 through 18, talking about putting on the things of God. I want you guys, don't, don't think I'm making stuff up. Let's go over there real quick. Galatians chapter 6. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5. Whew. Verses 16 through 18 says this, but I say, walk, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other for, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. 
Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. But I've warned you, as I've warned you before, those that do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the roadblock that is blocking you and I from having this destination of, from our destination of being more like Christ is your sin. And whatever that sin is in your life, the cure for your sin is the gospel. The cure for your sin is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Walking in the gospel, in his power, every single day. If you're trying to do anything else, you're going to fail. If you say, man, I'm going I'm to work really hard this week. I'm not going to cuss this week. I'm not going to lust this week. I'm not going to get overly angry this week. I'm not going to have, bup, 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 and like, you white knuckle. That doesn't ever work. It just leaves you frustrated. So what has to happen? Walking this thing out, walking the gospel out and walking in his power every single day. It's going to work. It's, it's, it's not going to work if you're trying hard and you're white knuckling. It's never going to work. You're going to fail and you're going to fall short and you're going to have your destination blocked and you're going to just going to be like, oh, why? Why? Ask Jesus to build bridges over the pitfalls this week. As you walk through this week, this is another thing that I pray. A, God, take back the ground. And B, Father, build a bridge over those pitfalls that I'm going to have this week. God, you know where they are. You know, you know where every single one of these things are. And God, I ask that you would just cover that pitfall with your bridge that you build. That I may walk over that pitfall in victory for the glory of your name alone. Like, for your glory alone. That's, that's the entire idea here in all of this text.